0: Report. It is Tuesday, December 18th, the, we're one week away from Christmas, can you believe it? And I'm so glad that you're here with us today. I'm your host, Amy Johnson, the lead correspondent here at the AHL Report, and I am here with Mr. Claus himself, my fabulous co-host, our uh, president and founder of Rocket Sports Media,
1: Mr. Rick Stevens. Thrilled to be here, and I got the... Uh the Claus tag rather than the Grinch tag. That's that's always nice to start a show. You did. You did. It means you have to
0: bestow happy Christmas wishes on everyone on today's episode.
1: Everyone. Everyone. Mm-hmm. Only positive right. things.
0: This is kind of like that that National Kindness Day episode where we had to really <laughs> work on it. really hard. Yeah, we had to work on it. <laughs> But I'm glad you're here. We've got a full show again today, as we always do. Does that ever change? No, it doesn't. In the in the year and a half that this podcast has, podcast has been on the air, we've never had a show that was not packed to the brim, and today is no different. Uh, we are a week away from Christmas. That is very hard to believe, and that also means we're a week away from World Juniors. Um but before we talk about that we're going to break down what happened with Laval last week. They had three home games, um, Belleville and two against Syracuse. We're going to talk about that. There's been some uh, roster movement uh just recently that we're going to to discuss as well and and just how the team performed. We've got some audio uh that we're going to play and and discuss and and where kind of things stand as they head into uh, this weekend's set of home games, they're playing an awful lot at home this uh, this month, and I think they're going to get a little comfy being at home so much. Uh, then after that, we are going to shift gears into our second segment, which is going to cover the Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and, you know, last week it was a Flyers management shakeup. This week, it's the coaching staff, and that, of course, is going to have a, actually a direct impact on the Lehigh Valley Phantoms, so we're going to discuss that. Um, the goaltending Revolving door continues to turn. uh, And so we're going to talk a little bit about Mr. Carter Hart getting his first uh, getting hit call up, and he'll be making his NHL debut. And then in segment three, which of course is the AHL and beyond, we'll discuss the player of the week, talk a little bit about uh, who to watch out for, and, and who the Canadians and the Flyers have on tap in the upcoming World Junior Championship. And of course, preview of the week ahead and what kind of games we've got coming. So
1: top to bottom, good stuff coming. Well, then again, as seems to happen, we, we just don't have time despite the interest for the national day calendar. Oh, yes. Yeah. We can't miss the no. national day calendar. Well, today there's two on the national day calendar. It is the national roast suckling pig day what or huh Alrighty
2: yeah that's, okay
1: I'm, I'm I'm gonna miss out on that one uh, yeah. and the other one is um, and I haven't had too many calls so I haven't tried this one out yet today but it's the answer to the telephone like buddy the elf day
0: <gasps>
1: really day. mm-hmm
0: hi buddy the elf what's your favorite color
1: What's I think you just cup? did it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just did it. Mm-hmm. My favorite color is purple, by the way.
0: But that, oh, Buddy would be so excited. Buddy the really? elf would be so excited that your mm. favorite color. Yes. Absolutely. We love Buddy the elf. We love Buddy the elf. We love, elf. We love Christmas music, movies. Not Hallmark Channel Christmas movies, might I add. I don't understand how people sit around and watch that sap 24 hours a day for like a month straight, but you know. The good Christmas movies. Okay, here, pop quiz. What's your favorite Christmas movie?
1: Scrooged. Oh, Bill Murray. It's Bill Murray, yeah. So anything Bill Murray's in is fine with me. I mean, the Charlie Brown Christmas and all that, sure. But, but yeah. Hmm. And yours?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I have like different categories. So like my favorite classic one is white Christmas that I have to watch every year. Um, My favorite classic comedy one is national lampoon's Christmas vacation, but it's also kind of a tie between that and home alone. And then my favorite modern one is elf as we just talked about. And of course, Garfield and Charlotte, I love Christmas movies. So it's that's a difficult one for me. All of the above. How about that? All right. How about that? Well, um, it seemed as though, Rick, Santa Claus came a little early in Laval uh, last week because
1: we, we talked <laughs> just about in the nick, Just in the nick of time. Just the in nick, the nick of time. You get it? No?
0: <laughs> Jolly old Saint Nick. You're good. You're on your toes today. I'm just trying to get in on my brilliant segueing.
1: I think they managed good. to uh, dig themselves slightly out of the basement. A little bit. A little mm-hmm.
0: bit. Yeah, we talked about last week how um, it was going to be, you know, the, the Wednesday night against Belleville would likely be maybe their quote unquote easiest potential two points of the week as they were facing Syracuse and back-to-back games on Friday and Saturday. And they ended up, they ended up getting five out of a six possible points, seven in their last eight. You, don't do a double take as you're listening, folks. You heard that right. Uh, they walk away with a three to one will win against Belleville on Wednesday night. Um, Unfortunately for uh, Michael McNiven, he was 42 seconds away from a shutout. And uh, Andreas Englund spoiled that uh, for him by getting that uh, that one goal. Um, and then after that, they went on to lose in a shootout on Friday, but they obviously pick up one point there and then they won in uh, what uh, appears to be a dominating fashion on Saturday, so yeah, um, certainly got some points, which was more—I'd you know, say less digging themselves out of a hole, but more like keeping their head above water. Um, if they hadn't come up with all of those points, they'd be—they'd be five or six points. Back of the seventh place team, who is the Belleville Senators, but now as it sits in the North Division, they are tied at 26 points apiece with the Belleville Senators, but they are still sitting in eighth place in the division
1: uh, with a 0.
0: 0.448 win percentage.
1: And that 448 winning percentage, uh, which has them 27th in the league overall, um, mm-hmm. is just four one hundredths um ahead of uh the manitoba moose who are in 30th so um not they, that they've got to keep this yeah they got to keep this winning streak going to uh to um keep climbing but but more importantly stay uh out of the basement
0: so let's we'll briefly take a look at each of these games um you know, because cause if, you, if you weren't following along with our live coverage uh, on Twitter and if you hadn't had a chance to look at, at our recaps from the weekend, you might be thinking, well, how did they suddenly do this? Um, interestingly enough, uh, of course, Xavier Ouellette, uh and Adams, uh, Morgan Adams-Moisan both made their Laval debut on Wednesday against Belleville. Uh, it was a very defensive game. It was actually... Uh, one nothing for Laval at the end of the second period. Um, and they managed to get, they managed to get another one kind of few minutes into the third period. So they were up to nothing, but then, as I said, England scores with just 42 seconds left. Um, and they had to really push to make sure that, that Belleville didn't tie it up. Uh, Alexander Grenier, uh, scored another goal then uh with with just under twenty seconds left to to restore that two goal lead, so it was a very defensive game um Laval outshot belleville that night twenty four to nineteen um, What I found was interesting, Rick was um, the, the designation of the leadership group um that evening on the ice, which actually maintained. Joel Bouchard maintained the same leadership group throughout the rest of the weekend, and of course you've got Byron Fraze as the captain. Uh, Alexander Grenier wearing uh, the A for uh, for an alternate, which he which he does uh, more often than not. Um, but the second alternate captain in all three games last week was none other than Xavier Welllet, who
1: made his debut that night. Did you find that? odd extremely extremely odd and i I know that uh xavier willette was uh by all appearances and what Lily said extremely displeased uh from being put on waivers passing through waivers and being assigned to laval he was um none too none too happy and i think that that even kind of insinuated that that um you know, some promises had been broken, um, and so um, this seemed like um, a, a very—I don't know—what kind of attempt to kind of uh, appease him, pacify him, um, um, kind of build up his role as as a uh, a leader on the Laval team, even though he, you know hadn't been there all season it bizarre it was very odd um it's 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 um to do that for one player and you again you wonder what uh um message that uh, that sends to the players who've been there um fighting struggling Mm -hmm. and and being, being established leaders in the um in the room um you know they it 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 wasn't something it it, and it's not as if you know you it was a player uh with nhl experience that's been assigned so so naturally gets that role because it didn't happen with victor matta it didn't happen with carl alsner um so um it was it was very odd uh i understand there's there's a past connection there with the head coach um Right. But For it, those who don't know
0: that, that Joe Bouchard coached him under the Armada.
1: Yeah. It's just a, an odd way to, to dole those things out. And, and I understand that, that, um, you know, a lot of the moves are, are, are seemingly done to keep keep guys off kilter and to, you know, to make sure that they're always um, not ever comfortable. Um, but it's, it's, again, it, it, um this this development and transition that uh, are so important especially to those uh, draftees of the Canadians uh they seem to be uh not the 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 ones who have the the focus of of management or the head coach um in in all of these um, moves which may seem small and in, in, insignificant but but when they accumulate um i, I think they're sending really the wrong message
0: I would agree with you. I was, I literally had to do a triple take and then search for a, like search afterwards for a photo of, of Wellette just to make sure that my eyes weren't playing tricks on me. I I just suddenly it was, I don't know, halfway through the first period or something like that. And I thought, hold on. Did I just see an A on his sweater? Seriously. And it's, you know, Wait, wait, today's his, today's his first game with this team. Like what? I don't understand. I was just, I was flabbergasted. I was, and this is in no way, shape or form, a criticism of Xavier Wellett or, and his ability or inability to be a leader. It's just, as you as you say, Rick, there are guys on that team who have been there longer who, who have displayed leadership Um You know, Agostino and Shapu are the are two other alternate captains who are currently up up with the Habs. Okay, so you have some room to throw some A's around on some sweaters. Um, And so the, the first the first new person to get an A is a guy who's making his debut with the team. Um, as you say, I don't like the message that that sends to the guys who have been there working their butts off all season long, uh, for not much reward. If you look at the standings, um, and, and the message that that sends just, again, makes
1: me scratch my head as well.
0: So and and while you. we
1: don't, well, we don't want to, uh, cast any aspersions, um, in the direction of Xavier Ouellette, neither do we want no. to, um, um, I don't know, make any kind of like there's something special about his leadership there. He's not ever been confused with Mark Messier in terms of leadership in any locker room he's, he's been in. So um, at least at the pro level. um, um, So um, it, it, again, it was, it was very odd and, and particularly for, for those guys who, uh, have been there have displayed leadership um and and whether it's um well uh, m- maybe be, brett learnout is is one that that i 'll mention um mm-hmm. and uh deserves um, one absolutely uh <laughs> it's was frankly surprised he didn't get one at the beginning of the season but
0: that 's beside the point that's right. So it'll be interesting to see if that and and as I say, it was it was Grenier and Wellette wearing the A for all three games last weekend. So it wasn't like a oh it's his debut and so we'll throw an A on his sweat. No, it, it stayed that way all weekend. So I'll be curious to see what happens this coming weekend to see if that stays the same or if anything changes with that. So they pull out a win that gives them their first back-to-back win because they had won the previous Saturday as well. That gave, that gave them their first back-to-back win since the beginning of November. I want to say November 8th. So it had been about five weeks since they had strung together back-to-back wins. So Friday night, Syracuse came in. Uh, Syracuse, always a tough team. Syracuse uh, higher in the standings um, and, and had been doing had been doing well. Um over the course of their, you know, their past ten games before this this weekend, uh, were they were seven to uh, they're seven to one and zero right now, um, and so they had an overtime win and a law and a regulation loss over the weekend. So they they had been doing pretty well. So tough tough team to play against. Um, Lucas Vedamo returned to the lineup from his injury uh, and got slotted in on the top line with Hunter Schenkerrick and Alexander Grenier. Uh, that actually was the top line for the rest of the weekend. Um, McNiven got the start again after having started on Wednesday night. Um, the power play was abysmal yet again. They did manage to score one on the power play. However, they had seven total opportunities on the man advantage and only had one uh, that found the back of the net. However, the PK was spot on. They were three for three on the penalty kill, not uh, didn't allow Syracuse to get, to get any on the man advantage there. Um, And Rick, this was a, it was a, it was a tightly played game. Very, very tightly played game. Syracuse struck first just about two and a half minutes into the game. um, And Laval did not, get that goal back until the, uh, until a minute into the second period. Uh, Then they got the go ahead goal later in the second period, which was that power play goal. Uh, But Syracuse then tied it up. Just a couple of minutes after that. And then it was all defense after that. It was, there was no scoring in the third, there was no scoring in overtime and it went uh, seven, six or seven rounds in the shootout um, before Syracuse finally put it away with a with a um, goal by Otto Sampi. Uh Daniel Audet was the only shooter for Laval in the six rounds who uh, was able to get the puck past our friend Eddie Pasquale. Um, so yeah, they got the they you know they did manage to take Syracuse to the shootout, but ultimately couldn't get uh, couldn't get the two points and the power play was abysmal as usual.
1: It's interesting the the strategy in that um, the the problem with L- Laval all season has been their inability to score score at any strength really um, right. they They sit absolutely dead last thirty first in the league on the uh, power play. Um, uh, special teams has been an issue. Uh, remember uh, uh, penalty kill was uh, pretty decent. Uh, through october into early November and then it's plummeted and and uh it's down in around the 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 uh, the bottom half of the league um and um but so what they've done i think is is uh, as we've seen um it, it play out with the addition of nhL caliber well nhL experience um mm-hmm. to the back end uh the impact there has been to uh, really limit opportunities and um, you, as you said there was there was uh, fewer than 20 shots in in the Belleville game uh, in the Syracuse game they averaged between the two games about 20 shots um, so it's it's uh, using that that NHL experience to limit the if if we can't score and we don't have the scores and we're not going to go out and get them and and we've lost them in uh, Chris Terry and Daniel Carr and, and, and others, um, we're going to really severely limit the chances um, uh, we give up. And, and, uh, and that's how they were able to be successful on the weekend.
0: Uh, speaking of that, I should note. So on, on this particular evening where they did f- take this game to the shootout top pairing defensively was Aldner and Meta. second pairing, Simone Dupre, Brett Lernout and third pairing Xavier Ouellette, Maxime Lamarche um the the blue line for the Laval Rocket in in Wednesday and Friday's games had a combined more than 1200 games of NHL experience
1: like that's that's unheard of that's insane
0: at the AHL level so so yeah it's going to be tough for teams to score when you've got a defense like that um there were plenty of penalties, uh, as, as we mentioned. Uh, so discipline, it wasn't as chippy as I was expecting it to be, but discipline was an issue. Um, but the intensity was there. It was a fast pace. And let me tell you, it was obvious that the likes of Simone Dupre were struggling, keeping up. Um, in fact, he then did not play on Saturday, which we're going to get to in a, in a few minutes here. Um, it was a it was a fast game, and Victor Meta actually afterwards had had said, "Yeah, that's sure that's the kind of game I like to play." It was quite obvious that that suited Victor Metta's style. He was he was all over the place out there. Um, Joel Bouchard after the game uh, had thought pretty highly of the atmosphere uh, that this kind of game presented, and and this is this were, these were some of his comments after the game.
2: Playoff atmosphere from our hand, for sure. Uh, guys uh, played hard. Um, game was really high pace, high motion, even from our standpoint. Uh, it's a big challenger, a really good team. I thought we, we really played uh, played with them for for a lot of games, and we had a lot of scoring chances. Uh, the goalie for them was good, and ours was, was good, too. Um, I think it's a good playoff atmosphere and experience for, for our team.
0: Good playoff atmosphere. Um, okay. (laughs) I, you know, it was, it was an intense game for sure. And, and maybe the, the desperation to, to want to continue their win streak was there, but the fact was that they put together two wins Saturday and Wednesday, but they couldn't come up with a third one on Friday night.
1: Yeah, I think he's, uh, he's conflating a couple of things there. Um, a high emotion, uh, an emotional game. A- absolutely. Playoff experience. No. Um, uh, I, 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 I wouldn't agree there. Uh, but, but maybe that's, that's he's, he's using that, um, talking point with, with his own team to try to uh, give meaning to, uh, uh, a season that, 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 um, I mean, it's, there's things change quickly in the AHL and, and, uh, and there's opportunities to, to move quite quickly, but, um, it's going to be extremely difficult for the Laval rocket to, um, to, to, to surpass the, the kind of season they had last year. Um, which, um, which I, I think was the commitment that, uh, uh, everybody in the organization had that it was going to be easy with with the the new coaching staff with the uh hand picked uh, roster to uh have a much better season than than uh, last year and it really hasn't turned out that way so framing this in in terms of of playoff atmosphere when you're not going to have playoffs this season is probably uh, a a selling point to to the team and and uh, we probably shouldn't uh take too much, take it too seriously, I guess.
0: So the, the teams then turned around. And of course, as is typical when playing in Laval, they had a three o'clock start on Saturday afternoon. Um, again, it was a tough defensive. It was a fast game. Syracuse likes to shoot. Syracuse is a, is a very physical team. They forecheck hard. Um, and as was the plan, Joel Bouchard decided to stick with it to put, Etienne Marcou in net on Saturday afternoon. Um, and I remember saying to you, Rick, like, I, and, and I, I, I said this to our, our um, staff writer, Chris G as well, who was, who was there covering uh, the games on Friday and Saturday, that I was a little worried for Marcoux, um to, to come in. He did not have, uh, it was, it was not a good game for him uh, the week prior in Belleville um, and Syracuse, you know, Syracuse can really take it to a goaltender. And so I was a little worried for him, not saying anything about his abilities, just it's it's a tough test. Um, and then interestingly enough, Rick, uh, right before, right when the lines come out, it's it's revealed that um, Simone Dupre is scratched. Um and so he's not going to play. However, Kale Fleury back from injury, so he draws into the lineup, as well as putting David Skalnichka back in the lineup, who had been a healthy scratch for the last few games. So they Bouchard decided to roll with seven defensemen and eleven forwards. Um, and okay, does that have anything to do with the young goaltender that you have in net? Hmm, maybe. Maybe we'll get to that in a minute when someone asked him that after, after the game. But be that as it may, that defensive core that you talked about uh, went to work, did their job with all that NHL experience, and uh, Laval shut out Syracuse 4-0, to nothing, uh, earning Mr. Marcoux his first AHL shutout um, after facing 12 shots.
1: That um, twice this week uh, we've seen um, shutouts um, in, in the Montreal area, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and and each time the the uh, goaltender did not get a star. Um, that was the case for um, Yaroslav Halak last night, uh, the Bruins against the Canadians and uh, Marcou against uh, Syracuse, uh, despite the, the, star, the, um shout out did not get a star either. And, and that's just a reflection of how poorly last night, the Canadians played. And, um, and last week, the, at, um, in Laval, how poorly Syracuse played. Um, and, it, you know, Syracuse was a, a, a shell of themselves. Uh, they mm-hmm. look like, they were travel weary and um, mm-hmm. and and looked like they were struggling to contend with uh, seven uh, rested, um, well rested defensemen. Um, mm-hmm. They couldn't penetrate the zone at all, and particularly with uh, Dupre uh, out of the lineup. Who um, you know, let's let's be honest, he's he's looked dreadfully out of shape after uh, not playing and sitting uh for um better part of 2 months um and uh and so it was it was a bit of a, a bonus for um Marku to to face the number of shots he would normally face in a period i guess and and uh spread that out those out over the entire game and and uh it made his Uh, his day uh, much easier than, than it otherwise would have been.
0: Syracuse with five shots on goal in the first period, two shots on goal in the second period and five shots on goal in the third period. Um, Neither one of the teams were successful in the power play. Syracuse went 0 for 4 on the man advantage. Laval went 0 for 3 on the man advantage. So the power play is still an issue. The penalty kill in the last couple of games has gotten a bit better again we're going to uh bouchard said that uh, he was asked about that by chris after the game and and bouchard responded by saying something to the effect of there were just some minor adjustments that needed to be made just more like cleaning cleaning it up and uh, we seem to be back where uh where it needs to be with the penalty kill but the the power play of course uh still still not working um I will say a uh, stick tap to the gentleman who scored the fourth and final goal of the game and that would be uh it was an empty netter shorthanded uh, and that would be Mr. Brett Lernout with his first goal of the season and I have to if there there is a gift going around I think the Laval Rocket put it out on their Twitter timeline of the coaches coming over just a big gigantic grin on brett's face uh when he got back to the bench and both coaches coming over and giving him a giant hug and slaps on the back and top of the head and whatnot so apparently everyone was pretty happy
1: for mr lernout to finally get his first of the season and a
0: shorty nonetheless
1: and just to further that you mentioned uh, just 12 shots uh, where those shots were coming from um you didn't see any shots from Conacher who has been on quite a tear and one, one of the top scorers in the AHL, uh,
2: mm-hmm.
1: nothing from Radish as well. So I think that, that, um, the, the defense of, of, um, of Laval did, did an excellent job shutting down, uh, the top shooters, um, of, um, uh, of the crunch. They did.
0: I, Bouchard, I have a couple of uh, quotes that we just want to play for you quickly here from Bouchard after this game. First, this was just his general response uh, after the win. And, you know, basically how, how pumped Joel Bouchard is about how, you know, he's, he's happy that they have finally reached uh, this level of gameplay, I guess.
2: Uh, Like I said, everybody wants everything quick in life. eh? Let's go at the beginning of the season. We needed to gel together. We need to have some hard loss. Now we're advancing slowly. We're going to stay humble in, in the win. Uh, we got a lot of work to do, but you got to appreciate the way the guy invested in our style of play and our way to play. I know I'm demanding as a coach in practice. I'm demanding in games. But I think tonight they saw a result that was the reason why we're doing all this. And now is to just make sure we take that confidence. We carry it away uh, for next week. Staying humble about it, but being confident that we're good hockey Being confident
0: that we're a good hockey club is... is- Uh, what the end of that quote was rick so apparently it was just that everybody wanted everything too quickly at the beginning of the season and and everybody just really needed uh, bouchard said that a couple of times this weekend that all the players finally bought in and all the players finally invested themselves into the system and that's why things worked um is it really that simple
1: unfortunately we have um audio tape (laughs) <laughs> uh, well and and it's not audio tape anymore but you know what i mean uh um at the beginning of the season it, it just completely contradicts everything he said at the beginning of the season uh where he said that uh in every game they played the, the for the very first time that they were uh the best team on the ice that uh because that they because of his uh, he had worked so hard uh in training camp, they had gelled quickly. And, and, uh, they were the, the, not only the best team in every game they played for the first 10 games of the season, they were one of the best teams in the league. And, and, uh, they were just having some, some, um, uh, puck luck and, uh, bad puck luck and, and, uh, or lack of it. And that, you know, the, the goals would come and, and, uh, cause they were getting chances and those kinds of things. Of course, I mean, one of those two things is wrong. Um, <laughs> Either what mm-hmm. he said now or what he said then, um, and I, I think again it's um, it's uh, it, it, from a coach who knows how to spin. He's he's uh, spinning one way at the beginning of the season, spinning another right now, and and uh, um, I think we're we're pretty capable of seeing what's uh, what's been going on on the ice and and uh, making our own evaluations.
0: As we also said, you know, kind of had the question mark of. Markou in net and we're choosing to go 7d is there any correlation there and and chris did ask after the game you know the, the thought process behind going with seven defensemen 11 forwards this is what bouchard had to say about that
2: well I, I think david and um kale needed to get in the lineup kale was cleared to play the plan was to play in one game and david did out a couple of games and um Deprey was a bit under the weather and banged up from from all the hockey we played. So it was a good opportunity to put them back in. And uh, we we overplayed some defensemen yesterday a little bit too. Uh, So it's just a great mix. And for me, more experience on the fourth line with with shuffling cards a little bit, with helping out uh, the matchup. They have have four good lines. Um, And our lack of experience on the fourth line was... Preventing me to play some guys at times because they're not good. It's just because their lack of experience and you know the challenge in the game. So by having eleven forward, I could manage the game as a coach to have a better forward line or more experienced forward line. And um...
1: it,
0: there, there's two things I want to briefly unpack in that quote. The the first came towards the end where he's talking about rolling with seven D so that he can rotate who's on that fourth line because the fourth line doesn't necessarily always have a ton of experience. Um, I'm sure Daniel Audette would have something to say about that. Uh, that's typically uh, where he has been slotted in. Um, sure. Pizzetta still young, Felix Martineau, still young, Adams Moisan, still young, um, so on and so forth. But, um, It's an interesting, interesting comment to make there. Um, The other thing was that uh, Simone Dupre needed to sit out because he was banged up from all the hockey that they had been playing and and he had played all four games. So kind of harkens back to what you were saying about him being out of shape for for not playing for a couple of months, I think.
1: Yeah, indeed it does, and uh, and I think uh, you know whatever it is, uh, whether it's whether the excuse is lack of experience or or um, um, these these are decisions that were made. uh, They aren't decisions that were made for him. That these players are foisted upon him, and uh, these are decisions that he, along with Mark Bergevin, helped make. The players were handpicked. Um, there was all kinds of experience uh, uh, a seasons full of experience uh, with with last last year's roster who kind of were were kicked to the curb as we've said many times there's only a handful of players left over Um, so if we have an inexperienced group at whatever whatever line they are uh, it's because that was that was what was designed Um, so you can't have it both ways you can't You can't make that choice and then use it as an excuse later on when it's not working out.
0: One last quote we just want to play is Etienne Marcoux's reaction to earning his first AHL shutout uh, after only having to face a dozen shots throughout the whole game.
2: Yeah, it's a little bit different than what I'm used to in the, in the East Coast, where I'm used to having like 40 shots a game. So I think I had like 12 today. So you just got to stay focused because uh, you, you never know with a team like Syracuse. They got a lot of skills offensively, so they can get like a 2-on-1 or a lot of men rushes, and you got to make that, that big save to keep the team in the game. So uh, I don't think today we gave much, but you got to be ready all the time. So...
0: All credit due to STM Marcoux. I'm, I'm happy for him to get his first uh, AHL shutout. However, he did note that typically in a game he usually sees about three times the amounts of shots that he saw in the game on Saturday. Again, helped by that uh, defensive core in front of him.
1: And he referenced uh, that's what he usually sees in the East Coast, the ECHL. Um, and anyone who has has been to both AHL games and ECHL games, the biggest difference is uh, in the ECHL they don't play a lot of defense uh, so no yes of course he's uh, he's used to a lot more uh, rubber coming his way.
0: Um, two other notes uh, regarding Laval before we uh, take a quick commercial break here the first of foremost uh, is some roster movement uh, that just happened late last night, actually. Um, and Rick, this is something that I think some of us are tremendously scratching our heads about. And that was uh, Noah Julson being sent down to Laval by the Montreal Canadiens last night. Uh, that's the head scratcher part. In return, they recalled Victor Mehta after he has played, Six games, uh, and apparently I'm just kind of taking a look now. Uh, apparently this afternoon at practice, he was on the third pairing with Jeff Petrie uh, at today's Montreal Canadiens practice. So, your thoughts on no? J- For a reference point, the Canadiens looked absolutely horrific last night against the Bruins, um, and and the defense certainly. Uh, as you had mentioned to me in a conversation, Carry Price wasn't very happy about what he saw happening in front of him defensively. Um, and Carry doesn't get that vocal that often. Um, so then out of that, Noah Julson gets sent down.
1: Yeah, it's, it's odd. And I mean, uh, uh, Noah Juleson is, is uh, fresh back from uh, his facial fracture. He's still wearing the cage um is he 100% no of course not is you can still see the uh a blood sh- bloodshot eye there's there's a uh, uh, blood releasing from that injury um that fracture and and um he's not 100% but a, a less than 100% uh, Noel Juleson is uh much much better than a, a reckless Mike Riley or a, a inept uh David Schlemko or um are <laughs> very Roman yeah. Brett Kulak um but this is just one of those cases of uh, don't look over here but um, you know it's 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 classic misdirection by by Mark Bergevin let's all talk about uh, Noah Jolson and let's all talk about him going uh, to Laval he can do that because there's no waivers involved uh, he's exempt uh, at this point uh, and meta coming up. Um let's talk about those things. Let's not talk about how Mark Bergervan failed. Uh, first of all, how he, he created a giant hole on the left side of the defense uh, in uh, a number of his, his moves, uh, and then failed to uh, address the, the problem of his own making um, by bringing in, you know, the, the, the group of, of uh, fringe NHL defensemen, uh, that he has, and and now he has, uh, uh, um, Alsner and and Willett in 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 the AHL. Um, Riley's been bad. Schlemko has been worse. Uh, ben has is, is uh, been okay on the third pairing, but it, when he's moved up, he looks bad. It, it's just been um, one after another. But rather than have that focus on that, um, you know, it's it's instead. Um, kind of highlight the young guys and uh, and so we're, so we're talking about that instead um it's it's unfortunate um particularly because this is one of the canadians most important um uh, certainly the the most important road trip of the first half of the schedule six games uh six game road trip to to end the uh, the calendar year uh and and all out on uh on the west coast. So they go to Colorado and Vegas and uh and Dallas and, and Arizona um and Tampa and, and, and Florida. So it's 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 a tough schedule and, and uh my hope is uh that they haven't left Noah Jolson behind completely uh that uh after a, a game or two he'll be uh he'll be brought back. Um, although, you know, to do that, um, that requires the Canadians to free up a roster spot. And for whatever re- reason, they're really reluctant, uh, to, um, to, uh, expose to waivers, the, the, the folks who haven't been playing very much, uh, Charles Houdon, uh, Nicolas Delorier, uh, and those defensemen who really haven't been playing well at all.
0: That is true. And I, sh- I should correct myself. I said that Meta and Petrie were on the third pairing of practice. They were actually on the second pairing. I, I misspoke there. Um, yeah, we'll see. You know, Jolson certainly doesn't need to come down to to work on confidence or anything like that. Um, and, and coming down to Laval is not going to help his confidence, um, except that he's now on an AHL. Defense that's comprised of mostly NHLers. So, you know, maybe they'll continue to find some success. But as you say, let's hope that this is uh, as short term as Victor Metz's stint down in Laval was, but that's going to force the hand of Bergevin to make some other decisions. Uh, Before we head to break, just want to tip the hat and say happy birthday to one Mr. Charlie Lindgren. Uh, It is his birthday today. uh, And as of right now. Happy birthday to Charlie. Uh, We still do not have official word yet on uh, a timeline for his return from injury. Uh, He was undergoing further testing for for the lower body injury that he sustained. But he has been seen on the ice um, out with goaltending coach Marco Marciano uh, after practices. So uh, hopefully he will be back soon and we wish him a very happy birthday. That being said, don't go anywhere. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to dive headfirst into the Flyers goaltending shakeup and Carter Hart making his NHL debut tonight. Don't go anywhere. From the Press Box is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at Rocketsportsmedia.com. For all the latest news, interviews, analysis, and commentary about the Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and every other team in the American Hockey League, as well as information on prospects, junior hockey, and international hockey, head over to AHL.report, the home of the AHL Report. Follow along on Twitter at the AHL Report for live game updates, ringside photography, game recaps, and articles containing exclusive audio and video of your favorite players. That's the AHL Report, proud partner of Rocket Sports Media, AHL.Report. Well, Rick, it is a day that ends in Y, and that means that the Flyers have goaltending issues and and all sorts of drama in management and coaching.
1: As it, my goodness, with the, with the goaltending stuff, my goodness.
0: <laughs> should we start there, or should we, or should we start with the coaching? Which, which well, let's where, do, where do the, we? Let's
1: do the coaching. Th- yeah, let's do the coaching thing. Let's first. do some coaching for. Okay,
0: so last week, as we know, Ron Hextall got the axe. Uh, Chuck Fletcher brought in um, by the Philadelphia Flyers organization and at the time said, no, Dave Haxtell's here to stay for a while. We're going to work together, see what we can do. And that lasted all of about a week uh, after the Flyers suffered a, just a horrifying road trip uh, that really basically left, left things with Chuck Fletcher. I don't think had any other choice, but to say, He's got to go. So Dave Hackstall fired yesterday early afternoon um, in, in soap opera fashion with with the team coming out for practice and Hack not coming out with them. Um, as such, uh, Lehigh Valley Phantoms head coach Scott Gordon gets his call up. Uh, he will be the interim head coach replacing dave Haxtall, chuck fletcher has said that he expects gordon to be the coach for the remainder of this year uh, whether or not that's going to happen or not we'll see um, phantoms assistant ca- coach carrie huffman will now serve as the acting head coach of the lehigh valley phantoms while a process of identifying and hiring an interim head coach for the remainder of the season is underway so Lots of implications at both levels here, Rick. Um, your thoughts on on
1: how this is all shaking out? Well, it was um, kind of a risky hire, and I, I think a hire um, that the Flyers fan base never really seemed to understand. Um, he, Dave Haxtall was um, they didn't they didn't get dave hackstall they didn't get a dave hackstall they didn't get the um the, the kind of image that he was he was trying to sell um and whether it's something as simplistic as as uh we we talked in a previous uh, podcast about the the flyers had gone so long without uh without having a a, a five-minute major for fighting um it it wasn't just that but but it seemed that the identity uh that um Hackstall was trying to craft just w- didn't match up with the with the the fan base and and it, it's not all about the fans um but uh, it it seemed that um you know with uh Hextall had done his best to um uh, protect Haxtell um and um and that that he seemed to to be okay with what was happening. Uh, But as soon as Hexel was gone, that, that shield was, was removed. And um, I mean, the the death watch was on and it was kind of sad to, to see that, uh, to see that, you know, there it was a, became a vulture situation uh, to, to watch when, when the the ax came down and the firing happened. And, and clearly, as you said, the, the players just, um, they just, they, they had nothing, um, you know, it, it, they, they had nothing on that, that uh, road trip. Um, and uh, yeah, there was, there was really no choice, uh, but, but, but to, to fire him, although it, it, it could have been done in a different way, but, but that was, uh, I guess the, the part of the drama.
0: Uh, Yeah, I guess so. Now, Scott Gordon taking over as the interim head coach, uh, possibly for the remainder of this year. Um, Gordon was in the middle of his fourth season with Lehigh Valley and he's, he's had success, uh, coaching the Phantoms. There had been rumors in the past that they were grooming him to eventually come up for a promotion. So maybe this is a little sooner than they were expecting. Um, It'll be interesting to see how things go the remainder of the year. But in his in in 2016-17, Lehigh Valley had the franchise's best uh, record in 20 years and the first time that they had appeared in the postseason since 2009. And then, of course, last year, as as. Listeners of this podcast will know the Phantoms won the Atlantic Division title and advanced to the Eastern Conference Finals. So they went very deep in the playoffs last year. Uh, and so for the last two seasons under Scott Gordon, the Lehigh Valley Phantoms have found success. Um, part of that coaching, yes, part of that has been Hextall's stocking the farm and and that work in drafting and developing, that he's done over the last handful of years was starting to come to fruition as these guys started to reach AHL age and started to, to, to play professionally. Um, so will that translate to an NHL team who has basically been in turmoil for the last month? Uh, he will make his debut as head coach tonight when the Flyers take on the Detroit Red Wings, um, just going to be interesting to see how this transition
1: goes and and it's it's multiple transitions and and i suppose if when fletcher uh, came in and and the short evaluation period that that he had if the team had turned if um he and haxtell were you know on the same page and um it might have been different but um fletcher mentioned um you know, that there was uh, some communication issues. Um, and, and if you have any question at all, uh, when you come in as a general manager, if uh, th- this is, this is the guy who, who's going to implement, who's going to execute your plan. If you have any question at all, um, if that's the right guy, you have to move on. You, you just have to, because it has to be a guy that you have full confidence in um, uh, to, 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 to make you look good, to, to carry out your, your vision. Um, and it was clear that, that, uh, there wasn't that, that synergy between Haxtell and Fletcher. And, and, uh, so he had to go.
0: Carrie Huffman takes over, uh, for now as the head coach, uh, at Lee, in Lehigh Valley, but it sounds like they're going to do a search for an actual interim head coach to come in. Um, that could be a tricky situation. Um, Especially if things with Gordon are up in the air as far as, as the end of the season or how long he'll be there, or it just seems there's a lot of question marks. Rick, there's just a lot of question marks both at the NHL level and the AHL level.
1: Uh, there is. Um, we, we've we've interviewed Scott Gordon um, uh, several times and and gotten to know his style, um, and and his his not only his coaching style but his communication style um he's a little bit different um he's uh i mean he he chooses his words carefully although he's not he's not one to sugarcoat things Mm-mm. um his his responses are are pretty measured and i think um from from talking to the players you get that same kind of um, there, there isn't so much a a tug of war or kind of a, um, you know, a a direct directive kind of approach. It's more, let me explain this to you um, and um, explain why, uh, explain why you're not playing, explain why, why your ice time is what it is. Explain all of those kinds of things. Um, He's, he's a a pretty good teacher and uh, that's going to work with the players that he's familiar with um, on the, on the flyers roster. And, and there's a few of them, um, mm-hmm. you know, including Carter Hart and, and um, uh, San Travis Sanheim and uh, Veroni. Um, uh, but how that's long. going to work with yeah. how that's going to work with the, the, the veterans that the, uh, that the Flyers have, I don't know. I, I, I really don't know. And that's going to be the most interesting part because, you know, it's not, it's not coming in, um, at the start of a season with a clean slate and, and, and a lot of enthusiasm. Um, there's some growly, growly folks in mm-hmm. uh, on the Flyers roster right now. They're not happy with what's been happening. Um, and they're uncomfortable with all the changes and, and, uh, It's going to be really interesting to see how he manages uh, for the next uh, few weeks and months. Another
0: one that we'll see how he manages is Mr. Carter Hart. Uh, You know, some fans have been chomping at the bit to see him get called up. Uh, Others who (laughs) in the media and, and in the hockey world have said, you know, put the brakes on that. Let's, let's not rush him. Let him have a good good season in the AHL Uh, he's young the transition from junior to AHL is difficult for a goaltender uh, and to make that jump to the NHL right away would be even more challenging and now with Brian Elliott still injured Michael Neubert injured Anthony Stolarz is up and it looks like they just sent Alex Lyon back It looks like Carter Hart is going to make his NHL debut tonight against those same Detroit Red Wings. Um, And in fact, fact, Chuck Fletcher is quoted as saying, probably not the ideal time to give Carter a game, but Carter's playing really well. He's a professional hockey player, strong kid mentally. He'll go in and give his best. I have no worries about Carter Hart long-term. It's a big night for this kid.
2: It's
1: a big night for this kid. He's he has played well in the last handful of games, um, but he has only 17 pro games to his name um, all this year uh, in NLL, and we've seen the, the the best and worst of Carter Hart uh, this year. the 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 inconsistency is is uh, been glaring, and and it happens. Uh, from period to period, uh, it's not just mm-hmm. um, you know where he has an off game. He, he he can be having a great game and and then just uh, lose his focus. And, and uh, you know it's I understand that it's that it's um, it maybe frustrating for for fans. It's it's uh, from the sounds of it pretty frustrating from the ownership side. Uh, but it's it's not understanding how long it takes um for a goaltender to develop a, a a defenseman to develop and you look and see you know Carter Hart um had 4 years uh in the WHL with uh with Everett um and uh progressed as you'd want a goaltender to progress uh but the WHL is a complete and Carter Hart said this himself a completely different league um, from, uh, from the AHL and there are things Mm -hmm. to, there are things to be learned and and you need to get on top of your game. Now he's being thrown. Um, and, and, and and I don't doubt that he has the, uh, the skill, um, to be able to succeed at the NHL level, but there's other things that are are needed too. And, and he's probably going to have some great games and he's probably, uh, going to give up some soft goals, and and uh, I just hope that that he has the um, the mental fortitude, and and we know that that he's uh, you know since quite young he's he's had a a sports psychologist work with him, um, and uh, and he's going to have to rely on all those lessons that he's learned about about the mental preparation. Not, but not only the mental preparation; it's it's um, it's the mental focus that to carry you through games, and then after games, uh, to not uh, get too down on yourself or too high, for that matter, uh, depending on the results.
0: In that aspect, I actually think that's where it's going to be advantageous for him that his head coach will be Scott Gordon. Yes. Um, it will make things comfortable for Carter Hart and. Gordon also knows what he, how, what he needs to do to protect Carter, how he needs to talk to him before and after games. Um, and so I think if, if there's anything very fortunate for Carter Hart uh, in, in this call-up, it's that he's got Gordon there with him. Um, when he makes his debut tonight, interestingly enough, the Flyers will become the first team in NHL history to start six netminders in the opening 35 games of the season.
1: <laughs> you mean they haven't done this before?
0: No one has done this before. Not no one. The
1: hmm.
0: They will also be the 14th team ever start six goaltenders over the course of a season, and the last time it was done was in 2013-14. The Sabers and the Oilers both did it that season.
1: Hmm. Well, they'll get they'll get above six, I'm sure. I'm sure. Early. Brandon early. Brandon Com how about Brandon Com
0: Yeah that's that's who I guess Alex Lyon will have as a backup in Lehigh Valley for now That's right
1: with all his ECHL experience Yes
0: Bless the Flyers goaltenders I got to tell you one thing I do want to make a quick note of before we uh, head to our uh, next commercial break, Carter Hart will be wearing uh number 79 when he takes the ice tonight. Hmm. That's an interesting one, isn't it? Uh, and I just wanted to to make note of this. It's a story that I saw on the internet today. And, you know, you talked about uh, his mental fortitude and, and maturity and things. And for a 20 year old in his rookie season, uh, this story really gives you kind of an idea of what kind of person is behind the mask and what kind of guy Carter Hart is. 79 is not a typical number for a goaltender. You d- you don't see that very often at all. In fact, 79 was the number that the Flyers just randomly gave him at his first development camp back in 2016. And when he went back to his junior team uh, after development camp was over, uh, the Everett Silvertips, um, he every single solitary Everett Silvertip game home game there were always two uh young boys there uh who were the biggest Carter Har- Carter Hart fans that's Connor and Cavan. Connor uh was 7 years 7 years old uh and and ha- is on the autism spectrum Cavan a year younger um and they you know, as you see, especially in, in junior NHL games, kids love to be able to fist bump their players uh, when they go out on the ice. And, and these two young boys were always there. Uh, Carter Hart was one of their idols. And when he came back from that first Flyers development camp, there were Connor and Cavan standing there, Cavan wearing his his number 70 Carter Hart Everett Silvertips jersey, and, and 70 was the number that Hart wore in junior Connor had gone, Connor, I guess, had begged and begged and begged to, as soon as as Hart was in development camp, he wanted a jersey with Hart on it, a Flyers jersey. So he was standing there in in Carter Hart's number 79 development camp jersey number. And Carter Hart saw that, and he said, Quote, when I came back to Everett, Connor was there waiting for me like he usually did, and he was yelling at me, trying to show me his new jersey. He had a Flyers jersey with heart number 79 on the back. When I saw that, I decided I had to stick with number 79, because there is a number 79 out there. I probably would have stuck with number 70. But because Connor had number 79, I realized I couldn't change the jersey number now. I didn't think Connor would have been too happy if I had the wrong jersey with the wrong number on the back. Because it was Connor, he was one of our biggest fans, and it was really cool how much love Connor and Kevin gave us. To them, they're six and seven years old. They look up to us. I couldn't let them down. Uh, And so... Carter Hart has stuck to that. And because he didn't want this young boy who, who is autistic uh, to have the wrong number on the back of his Carter Hart Flyers Jersey. uh, Carter Hart has decided to stick with number 79 at the professional level. And that is what he will wear tonight when he takes the ice.
1: Great story.
0: Love it. I love this story. Um, It's, it's, it's really great. And I believe, it, I believe it is the first time that anyone in Flyers history will wear this number. So uh, pretty special and kudos to Carter for uh, for having that kind of appreciation uh, and realizing the things that are important in life and, and really making this young man a priority uh, after all of his support. So stick tap to Carter Hart for that. Pretty special
1: and just how we've we've said many times how hockey is a small community um mm-hmm. we were just talking about uh, Noah Juleson um heading uh from the Canadians to the AHL we have Carter Hart heading from the AHL for his first NHL start and it was Noah Juleson who was Carter Hart's captain in Everett um oh. And uh, we can even add in uh, a player we've spoken about in past weeks, Nikita Shurbak, who is also uh, part of that uh, Everett Silvertips uh, squad, and, and uh, that those uh, those three uh, cross paths there.
0: I also should make note that um, with his start tonight, he will be the youngest goalie in the NHL this season. Um, more than two years, the junior of the Arizona Coyotes, 22 year old Aiden Hill. So got some youngins.
1: <laughs> Good luck to Carter.
0: Good luck to Carter tonight. We'll be watching for sure. And, With and that, he uh, has a, an
1: awful lot of fans from, um, that, uh, watched him in, uh, play for world Canada. Um, um, uh, um, a team Canada world junior, uh, squad mm-hmm. winning a, a gold and silver. So, um, there's uh, a lot of folks, including Max, Matt Smith, on, on our, um, our writing staff who, um, although they're not Flyers fans, they're, they're looking for him to uh, do well tonight.
0: Excellent. Well, good luck to him. We will be watching. And with that, don't go anywhere. We're going to take a quick break, uh, just a couple of commercials for you. And we will be right back with segment three of this week's episode of From the Press Box. Be sure to follow us on social media. Find us on Twitter at the AHL Report. Check out our original game photography on Instagram at AHL Report and watch our exclusive video interviews with players, coaches, and other notable hockey names on our YouTube channel at All Habs. Just remember to turn on notifications so that you never miss a video. The AHL Report, your premier source for Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and all American Hockey League news. Well, Rick, we would be remiss if we did not take note of this week's CCM AHL Player of the Week, um, and for once, it's not someone that the Laval Rocket faced last week or will face this week, which is. Uh, amazing. I don't know how that happened, but it is the Bridgeport Town Tigers forward, Michael Del Call, uh, who scored five goals in two games last week, including his first hat trick of his professional career. But I should make an and while that is all impressive enough, those five goals were on five shots. So wow. That yeah, that's um. Those, that, that, those are pretty good odds if you're going <laughs> to find the back of the net every time you shoot the puck. Well done. Absolutely. So uh, he, let's see, and, and as I said, his first uh, professional hat trick as well. So congratulations to Michael Del Cole from the Bridgeport Sound Tigers, this week's CCM AHL Player of the Week. And with that, you know, it's that time of year. The holiday season is upon us, Rick. And you know what that means? Hockey. World Juniors. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Is it Boxing Day yet? Oh, we're getting close. We're getting close. But yes, uh pre-competition uh games are st- Starting, Um, rosters for these preliminary um, pre-competition games have have been set and so forth, Rick. And um, actual tournament play, of course, will start on Boxing Day. That's December 26th for those of you in the U.S. who we don't really celebrate Boxing Day.
1: Um,
0: I know we really should. Uh, Boxing Day will have... Uh, the Czech Republic in, in Group A, uh, the Czechs will face Switzerland and Canada will face Denmark uh, on Boxing Day. Uh, in Group B, it'll be the US versus Slovakia and Finland versus Sweden, which that will be a good matchup early in the tournament. Um, and both the Canadians, Rick, and, and the Flyers have, have some names out there uh, for, for people to look out for. Um, should be a fun tournament.
1: It should be great. Uh, Canadians get Denmark first up and and uh, ease into the tournament. The U.S. with Slovakia. That that Fin Sweden, uh, Fin Finland Sweden matchup right off the hop is uh, yeah. That's that's going to get the tournament underway.
0: Absolutely. Uh, so there will be uh, you know the, on on Team Canada of course Josh Brook uh, happy to to make uh, the team this year as well as Nick Suzuki. Uh, so be on the lookout for and them. And the prom-
1: prominent roles as well. Uh, very prominent yes. roles.
0: That is true. Uh, the Flyers also have Morgan Frost playing uh, for Team Canada this year. So um, I think Team Canada is going uh, to, the, the lineup that they have, I mean, Evan Bouchard, Noah Dobson, um, Cody Glass, uh, there's, there's a lot of good names on, on Team Canada this year. I think, I think making cuts was probably a difficult selection process this year. Um, and Team Canada will definitely, as usual, uh, be, be good contenders. Just flipping through some of the other teams here, just want to take note, um, Finland, of course, uh, Jesse Lonen for the Montreal Canadiens, Rick. Um, and, and naturally, Uka Pekka Lukonen will be your gold. favorite, my favorite Uka Pekka But But uh, this will be a good chance for uh, Canadians fans to get a good look at Jesse Elonen, um with team Finland.
1: And um, I imagine a few will have their eyes on um, Philippe uh, Zadina, uh, who was mm-hmm. released from uh, allowed uh, the, the, the Red Wings allowed him to go and he'll be uh, suiting up with uh, the the Czech team um, and just to uh, because he's been out of the, the spotlight um, um, for many fans, um, NHL fans, that is uh, uh, with him uh, playing with Chris Terry and the Griffins this, uh, this fall. And so it'll be uh, interesting to see him back on the world stage.
0: Flyers fans will of course have an extra incentive to watch um Team Sweden in that Finland-Sweden matchup, as Samuel Erson and uh, Adam Ginning will both be playing. Uh, we actually spoke with with Ginning at Flyers development camp over the summer, um, so it'll be good to see them out in action. And of course, Team USA uh, got some uh, got a couple of Canadians and eh, a couple of Canadians prospects on that Team USA team, right? You know, small names. A few. <laughs> uh it might be a Ryan Paling in there. Uh-huh. Some guy named Ryan Paling. Might be a Caden Primo. Flyers might have, you know, like a Jay O'Brien or a Joel Farabee. Small names. Small names, you know. No, uh in all seriousness, uh Team USA and of course Quinn Hughes is in there. Um Quinn and Jack. Uh so the brothers will be playing together. Uh, as we saw them do uh, at the summer showcase. Uh, so the question will be when, when is that, when, when do the U S and Canada teams play each other?
1: Uh, that is a good question. It'll be a day to mark
0: on the calendar for sure. Cause you don't ever want to miss that matchup. Well, they're in, they're in separate groups this year. So it's going to be, they are. So they have to make it. They have to make it into playoff rounds before they have a chance to see
1: each other. That's right.
0: So fingers crossed. I'm sure that'll happen. Sure. It will. The hockey world New Year's Eve is, is
1: New Year's Eve will be fun though with uh, the Finns in the U S and, and Russia and Canada. Oh yeah.
0: That'll be, that'll, that sets up nicely on New Year's Eve for sure. Um, I think that, I think the Canadians play that day too. Like the Montreal Canadians, I think they play on New year's Eve, which don't they know it? Don't they know that's like world junior day? <laughs> um, so be sure to keep an eye on uh, the pre-tournament action as these teams start to get warmed up. Uh, they are playing in Canada this year. So um Things will start to heat up as, as the week winds down toward the beginning of the tournament. And for us here at the AHL Report, uh, we've got two games with the Laval Rocket coming up this weekend, Friday and Saturday, back-to-back. Interestingly enough, it's, it's the Toronto Marlies for both games, who are currently sitting in fifth place in the North Division. They are three points ahead of the Laval Rocket uh, and are on a two-game winning streak. Uh, so they're coming in feeling pretty good about themselves as well um however uh saturday's game is not a three o'clock start it's a one o'clock start so you've got a seven thirty game start on friday night followed by a very quick turnaround with a one o'clock start on saturday afternoon um so can joel bouchard's squad keep this uh Stiff defense and and getting a couple of goals to to win some games thing going.
1: Well, and can the Marlies keep the puck out of their net um, wow, against true, a team so. who can't score? So that'll be interesting there.
0: And it, bitter division rivals always nasty when those two play each other. So it'll be it'll be fun hockey. Be sure uh, our our own Chris G. Of course will be at Floss Bell, uh, bringing us the coverage uh, as well as. Uh, the recap and um, the post game audio so follow along at the ahl report on twitter for all of the live game updates you can also find me at flyers rule and you can find rick at all Habs on twitter we love to hear from you we love to answer your questions throughout the week um, and so be sure to find us there and rick facebook and instagram are also good places for them to find us as well right
1: Absolutely. Look for uh, all Habs uh, if you want the NHL coverage on any of those sites and look for uh, AHL report uh, for our AHL coverage uh, on on any of those uh, uh, social media platforms.
0: Excellent. Rick, in addition to wishing this to our listeners, I wish you a very Merry Christmas as well. We hope everyone has a wonderful holiday. And since you are, you know, Santa Claus himself, you've done a pretty good job at, at giving us all nice gifts throughout this episode.
1: Well, wishing uh, all of our listeners a very Merry Christmas. And uh, we look forward to uh, interacting you th- with you through the holiday period and, uh, and right on into the new year. Absolutely.
0: Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of From the Press Box. We'll be back very soon with another pack. Episode. In the meantime, enjoy hockey and find us out there on social media. And uh, we'll see you again right here on from the press box.
1: And keep on wishing. Remember, your dream
2: is your only skin.